Hello, and welcome to Of The People. I am Robert Chernin, and as usual, joining me, my lovely co-host, Erica Reddick. Say hello, Erica. Hello, Erica. <laughs> nice to join us again. So we're starting off with a reverence as usual. Yes. So, so Erica, we have a jam-packed show. Let's jump right to it. Yes. Um, this section, we're going to, I want to talk about big education, but before we do, I would want to let our viewers know, stay tuned for the second segment. We have noted scholar, author, economist. Uh, he's a lot of other things with a lot of other letters after his name. Dr. Bruce Abramson will be joining us to talk yeah. about the new Civil War and the fall of the American Republic. Real interesting. Stay tuned for that. But yep. Erica, it's not my hopping hobbit girlfriend who's in the news, but big education is in the news. Okay. I have, I have a new hero today. What? I have a new hero. I know new you used hero. to be, but I have a new hero. Okay. Right. My hero is a guy named Ryan Walters. Okay. He is the superintendent of schools. I'm going to get the title wrong. In Oklahoma. And okay. he is taking on big education and the teachers unions. And let's be clear, right? We're not against the teachers. They do yeoman's work. They do all the great work. That's but right. teachers unions only care about the teach the unions and their money. They don't mm -hmm. care about the teachers and they don't care about the kids. So yeah. so he issued a statement and he's taking on the school, um, the teachers union in the state of um, um, Oklahoma. And here, here's the opening. You ready? Okay. So Ryan Walters basically said that teachers union utilize power through money that they take from teachers' paychecks and they push people behind the scenes and they are Marxists. Oh. Finally. Somebody's pushing back. I love so that. He's being bold and using all the words and everything. He is using all the words. So because right? So finally, you know how we talked in some of the prior shows that mm -hmm. I think the tide is turning. Yeah. You know, CRT is pissed off most parents because they didn't know that this crap was being shoved down their kid's yep. throat, right? Yep. This whole you know, you and I call it sort of mutila mutilation of children, but right. this whole gender transition, yeah, I'm eight years old and I can't vote and I can't drive, but I can I can change my sex. And right. you guys, are, meaning the school teachers or the unions, are not going to let the parents know. That's right. Right? Yep. So I think people are starting to push back. So, no, th this guy is great. So I he, love it. Yeah, so the other thing that he says is, and you, let's see if we're not blocking the camera here, even though we're on radio, they're at—they're not advocating for kids. They're not advocating for teachers really either. All they're doing is lining their pocketbooks so that union leaders get richer and richer and they continue to fight to keep education down. I am absolutely not going to negotiate with folks that take on terrorist means to get what they want, which is destructive of our schools. Wow. Yeehaw. Wow. I mean, Who's it? Wait, what's okay. this guy's name? Ryan what? Ryan Walters, the superintendent of schools, whatever the title is in Oklahoma. And wow. and, then, and he's taking him on. I, I was I read about him like Did he call the teachers union terrorists? <laughs> Terroristic <laughs> tactics. Well, what he said is they're using terrorist Look, look, let's be that honest. Is live, dude. Ryan is my man. Right, he's my hero. I told you this guy's my hero, right? Wow. But, but he said, "Look, think about the terrorist tactics. They shut down the schools, right? You couldn't. I mean, in in cahoots with the federal government, it That's turns right. out, right? Yep. 
Um, they they go, you know, they wouldn't let the teachers who wanted to teach come back to school. Yep. This whole mask mandate um, and space and spacing, which we now know mm-hmm. was fraudulent and proved and, and did and, nothing and detrimental to children. So That's any, where I, was going. And, um, I have a, a, cl- a client actually in my accounting practice um, who works with kids that have learning disabilities and she specifically this was you know what two years ago plus even she was saying and she's a pretty liberal person who normally would kind of be the kind of person to go along with the teachers unions and this kind of stuff and she was like oh no we can't do this uh kids it's so important for their learning to be able to see mouths moving um for word formation for intelligence even she was calling out how masking and doing all of these things were going to harm our children two and a half years ago before uh we needed additional studies to tell us that right and and look this is to me. So I had a friend who retired as a school teacher, and his attitude was really simple. He goes, "If it's if it's for the kids, I'm for it. If it's for the unions, I'm against it." Mm. Right? But he had to join the union. This was a New Jersey school teacher, right? New Jersey is a union state. Okay. And this whole thing, I, I want to launch a concept here, right? We talked about right to learn, right? Mm-hmm. What about right to teach, right? Teachers should. I mean, because we're not against, we're not anti-teachers. Teachers are the, one of the backbones are the, of society that help our children grow into functioning adults. But unions, I mean, mm. correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. We're, unions were supposed to be about group organizing, about collective right. wage bargaining, you know, so that management didn't take, take advantage of the right. teachers because they were, they were separate in number. Correct. But now big education is not about defending the teachers it's about pushing a curriculum and an ideology and the other thing this guy is doing ryan walters mm-hmm. is there's this huge now rise in charter schools or the push for charter schools in oklahoma and now there's going to be merit pay that the better teachers are going to get paid more oh wow i like mean come the better on their outcomes are basically right. right oh wow okay so so hold on hold on hold wait backing up so basically, compensation for the teachers is now going to be merit-based. If the kids not not across the board, they're they're starting to introduce it slowly. Schools. Right, charter schools. Right. Isn't that fascinating? So right. if you're a sucky teacher, now I can see how you it would be hard to implement something like that in a public school because you don't pick your kids, you don't you know you don't pick your students. Um, now with the way things are set up. Um, you know, teachers are forced to have disruptive, violent children in their classroom. So in a public school, I can see that not working. But in a private school or a charter school. But wait a minute. Let, let me make a distinction. Charter schools are not private schools. Okay. Tell me charter schools are public schools. Help me understand. Right. But and, and by the way, when, thought... you, when, when you say when you say government, when you say public um, education. Yeah. Your public schools. Yeah. The real term is government run schools. Oh, and that's that the true? difference. Yeah. Right. Because okay. public education, because because this whole curriculum and, you know, I was a bu- big Bush guy, but but, you know, the no child left behind the federalization of the curriculum standards to me is one of the places we went off the rails oh, way, yeah. back, way, way, way back in the day, yeah. because all education should be local. 
Mm-hmm. Right, and again, yeah. obviously, reading, writing, and arithmetic, as the expression goes, <laughs> right? The, the three R's. The three R's. We well, have to drop know, the A. Drop the A. You know, I mean, you know, we don't need that in the alphabet anyway. So we're going to go to a twenty-five letter alphabet. But, but, anyways, look. Let's pay I... attention to this guy, Ryan Walters. These are All good right. things to come and. Teachers should have a right to teach unencumbered by the union nonsense. And all they're do- what are the yeah. unions doing for the teachers anyways, other than we, t- we talked about it in the prior show. They line their pockets. They take the dues. They pay the Democrats. The Democrats yep. pass laws to fund more money to the teachers unions. Yep. They're politicians. It's, big education. It is literally cyclical. And that's I think it's so important. There's a couple things I want to make sure we definitely like don't roll over. Um, number one, which is that the teachers unions used to be to protect the teachers from the administration, not from the children, not to have top-down curriculum and ideology forced upon the teachers or the students that the, the, the unions were literally formed to protect the teachers from the administration. And, um, you know, I'm as sure, were all unions, as were all unions originally. Right. And so there is like there's a part of me that can even still see a place for public sector unions, although or excuse me, for unions, although I'm, you know, vehemently against public sector unions. Agreed. Um, but I just think it's so fascinating that we've come so far away from the purpose of what these organizations were designed to do that people don't even know what the words or terms mean anymore. And well, uh, that's because so- everyone's redefining them to mean something. It's exact opposite, which by the way, mm-hmm. remind me to talk to Dr. Abramson about it because that's yeah. one of his special areas of, of explanation. I like it. I like yeah. it. I like it. So I, you know, let me go from the sublime to the ridiculous. Oh. Okay. You know I like so, the ridiculous. <laughs> New York City Mayor Adams, you hear his latest proposal to to, to help with all the street crime? He no. wants to put social service kiosks around the city so that someone who's going to com- commit a violent crime can go to this kiosk, get social intervention from some city social worker, and therefore not get- and won't and won't you know, um, commit a violent crime. Now that's part of a broader package where they're teaching. Okay, they're trying no. to teach employees. Okay, go ahead. Well, I can't wait. I swear I it's the, it must be I true. I read it. I cannot even. <laughs> it's for the criminals. Oh, oh yeah. my god! What? The They're people who are about to commit self-service kiosks for the criminals. You got it. As like, oh, because we can't have the social workers out there because we realize they actually are not capable of protecting themselves <laughs> or other people. So we're going to put a machine out there and hope that the criminal uses it as a personal intervention. That is the dumbest thing I have heard in a long time. And right. I so- hear dumb stuff. Every not, single day. I mean, come on. I mean, you can't make this stuff this up. This is not real. I, this is not real. I swear on a stack of Bibles. Oh By God. the way, look up Mayor Eric Adams, comma, self-service, ki- ki- social, social service kiosks. It's part. But, but look, the, the, the real truth is, we again, we've turned things Humpty Dumpty on its head. Rather than punish the perpetrator, right? I mean, this whole rise in crime 
is like is, is anti Pavlovian, right? Pavlov's dog, if you remember that experiment, right? You, yeah. You ring the bell, the dog, right, you know, you get the, the dog gets fed, yeah. and therefore every time the dog hears the bell, it salivates because it knows it's going right. to get fed. Well, take that in reverse. If every time you commit a crime, you know you're going to get away with it, you're going to continue to do it and do it more. That's Pavlovian. Every I... time you commit a crime and you get hit with, you know, a taser. You're gonna not. You're gonna not do it less because it's painful. It's not rocket science. So go to the kiosk, self-service. I'm not, gonna commit a crime. Please help me. I need intervention. Not even a self-service <laughs> for like help. Like I'm being victimized, or there's something wrong. Please send help. Oh my god, I can't even handle this. No, this it's is all so stupid. His proposal is all about focusing on how to de-escalate a situation. So, right, so if somebody's <laughs> going to walk into Macy's, right? Is there still a Macy's around? Anyways, they're going to walk into a yeah, Macy's. They probably closed because of the looting. Right, exactly. Ooh. No, that's San Francisco. And they go to Macy's, and, and can you see it play itself out, right? So the guy's going to go... Um, I, I, hey, I saw you steal something, put it back. And then this, this guy, I don't know, black, white, you know, Asian, whatever racial, you know, lens we're going to add to him because, of course, we're going to have to name what his race is, right? It's uh, going to, and it's going to say a few expletives and, and, and basically, you know, you know, either go to beat up the guy or keep doing it anyway. So they want to de-escalate him, the, the, um, the worker, teach him how to de-escalate the violence. They have a yeah. self-service kiosk, but none of it, punishes the wrongdoer <laughs> right you're like oh you you know you broke the law go to the kiosk oh wait you're supposed to go to the kiosk before you break the law this what? is a dumb is so dumb I, and is there any wonder that the cities have gone to the dogs and and the crime in the cities and by the way, I do want to plug our producer, Lord Benjamin, before we go to break, because yes. we have to go to break. Yes. You know, he made a suggestion that we should do a, a study of the escalation in crime, the five uh, most crime-ridden cities, and do and sort of do a comparison over, you know, let's say a five-year period, yeah. not just you know, because it all gets meshed, you know, messed together, you know, mixed together, right? But there should be murder rate crime, violence. I mean, there should be, somebody's got to track it. It's got to be out there somewhere. And I yeah. would wager they're all Democratic cities. Uh, and I would wager one other thing. They have all voted to, on some level, either defund the police or depenalize, if there is such yeah. a word. Oh, you know perpetrators it. Probably, of a crime. George, probably a George Soros prosecutor, too. Oh, good point. Oh. Good. You know, are you being anti-Semitic? You're criticizing I, George Soros. Uh, you know, what's funny is uh, you can criticize people regardless of their national heritage or their religion if they're stupid and evil. Well, George Soros may be evil, but he's not stupid. Uh, that's true. Fair enough. We got that one. So, folks. All right. This was fun. We have to go to break and stay tuned. Coming with us is noted scholar, author, lawyer, economist, Dr. Bruce Abramson to talk about the new civil war. Well, he's way smarter than me. Maybe not you. We got to go make some money. Stay tuned. We'll be right back from break. America came into being based on a shared belief and a common set of values. Unlike other nations that were bound together based on common ancestry, race, or caste, we came into being based on a simple and shared set of ideals. That the power of government is based on the consent of the governed. That life, 
the freedom to live life on our own terms in our own way, free from government interference, and liberty, our most precious value, and the pursuit of happiness, which means we are free to pursue that which we choose with the knowledge and courage to know that nothing is guaranteed to us in this life. Those values, America was founded on these basic inalienable rights. Freedom to pray to God in our own way. Freedom to think and speak freely without fear of punishment or harm. And freedom to gather in our places of worship and in our local taverns. And freedom to defend ourselves, our families, our homes, and our neighbors as we see fit. The American Center for Education and Knowledge is dedicated to protecting American exceptionalism anywhere and everywhere it is threatened. ASIC is a 501c3 and depends on your tax-deductible donations. Please help us continue our fight. Hello, and welcome back to Of the People. I'm Robert Chernin, and my co-host... Erica Ruddick. And joining us today is Dr. Bruce Abramson, noted scholar, attorney, economist. I'm sure I'm missing something else in there, Bruce. <laughs> um, and he's got a lot of letters after his name. There's a JD, there's a PhD, there's an MS. So um, when you think about the smartest guy in the room, Dr. Bruce Abramson is one of them. Bruce, nice to have you joining us. Pleasure to be with you. And right now I'm the only one in this room, so I certainly qualify. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Touche. So funny let, too. Smart uh, and funny. I like abs it. Absolutely. Let's jump right into this. So I wanted to have you on the show and I appreciate you you coming on the show because your your new book, The New Civil War about America Restoration, mm -hmm. right? One of the arguments you've made and we've made here is that this whole culture war, this whole wokeism really borders on, if not actually has become a new religion of sorts, right? And we've talked, you know, uh, on the show about, you know, sort of the declaration and America's, you know, you know, America's founding and those kind of documents, but give us your take on that. Is wokeism a new religion? And if so, Give us a little more depth as to how to understand it and put it in a frame of reference. So that, that's a great question. And it is something I touch upon in a new civil war. Uh, but it's really a subject of a uh, series I've been running Sunday mornings on my Substack, uh, which you can find at bda1776.substack.com. Uh, and, and we'll start with the most basic question, which is what is a religion? Because if we don't know what a religion is, we can't really talk about whether or not wokeism is a religion. Mm. And it's uh, it's a very important question because, you know, the Constitution says that religion is special. First Amendment talks about freedom of religion. And we've got all sorts of rules that apply to religions. You, you have free exercise of a religion. Mm. If your faith tells you to do something, we don't want the law to interfere with it. We have a no establishment of a religion that says that state institutions can't impose a particular religion on you if you're a non-believer. But we really have no explanation of what it means to be a religion. And let's think about the way that these different rules play themselves out. Just a couple of minutes ago, you were talking about uh, Mayor Eric Adams' plan for New York City, where he was going to put social service kiosks around the city. Right. You could go to if you were right. thinking about committing a crime. Well, we can laugh about <laughs> so that. Stupid. And we can say that that's mind-numbingly silly public stupid. policy. But there's nothing wrong with it. If a mayor wants to put in kiosks for anything, he can, except not quite. 
Suppose that instead of social service kiosks, Mayor Adams came out with a plan that said, we're going to put confessionals around the city so that before you think about committing a crime, we'll have a Catholic priest talk you down. Or after you commit the crime, if you feel bad, you can go confess. Well, that he couldn't do. Right? That he couldn't do because that would be New York City imposing a religion in the public square. So we've got this very interesting question of what constitutes a religion. And we need to know that because we need to know what the legal treatment is. Right. So, but, but give it to me an easily yeah. digestible. Sure. So what, what constitutes a religion? So that's a great question. Yeah. And Are there like know, bullet right. points that you can distill it down sure. to? Sure. So um, let, let's talk about what constitutes a religion from the matter of law. Okay? The Supreme Court, believe it or not, has never really addressed the issue. They've looked at it a few times, and at their most expansive, uh, which was during the Vietnam War, you had a number of conscientious objectors. Those are the people who said, oh, I can't be drafted. I can't go to war because being a soldier and maybe shooting somebody would violate my conscience. And there was a question of, well, if you belong to a religious order or religion that says you have to be a pacifist, I understand what that means. But you had a whole bunch of people who said, no, I don't belong to any particular religion. It just violates my conscience. And the Supreme Court said, well, any deeply held conviction that plays a role in your life parallel to the belief in a creator qualifies as a religion. But that's not what? a religion. Well, that's that was the Supreme Court at its most expansive. That was the Warren Court, who, was it? Not? I was going to say, who was yeah. on the Supreme Court? <laughs> then, then, then they backed away from that a little. But when it comes to asking what is it a religion in terms of imposing a religion, nobody knows. Now, th there's, there's an interesting thing, which is if you look at religions around the world and throughout history, um, they're much broader than what we usually think of as religion. And, and this wait, wait, is wait, wait, wait. Explain, explain that. What is it? Yeah. What is it? What do you, when you say broader, what does that mean? So this is a weirdness of the Western world. If you go to, say, an Islamic country or you go to Muslim right. world, there is no line where people say, oh, well, that's the Islamic religion. Those guys over there praying, that's the Islamic religion. But this store, that, this restaurant that doesn't serve alcohol, that's just culture. Right? The lines between religion and culture and lifestyle and way of life are very blurry. It's As only opposed to the here. separation of church and state here. So well, that's, that, that's right. And that's because um, we have this really... Weird. And when I say weird, I mean, it is the, the exception among global cultures. Western culture, Christendom, really, uh, out of Europe, came up with this idea that you can partition out religion and you can say, OK, well, you know, religion is how you worship. Right. It's the words. It's which house of worship you go to. Do you go to a, a synagogue or a mosque or a Catholic church? or any one of any number of Protestant denominations, that determines what your religion is. And, you know, then do you say your prayers in Latin or English or Hebrew or Arabic? That'll determine what your religion is. And maybe you got a couple of dietary laws. But th there's, there's this really interesting thing. If you look on Wall Street, there's a whole category called Islamic finance. Now, why do Islamic countries need their own finance? I mean... What does finance have to do with religion? Well, it depends who you ask. If you ask most people who ever lived anywhere in the world at any point in history, they'll say, well, finance determines how you deal with other people and other businesses, and that's a key part of our religion. 
If you ask those of us who live in the United States, we'll say, no, no, no. Lending, borrowing, that's economics. That's right. fine. So, so wait a minute. And, and, and I need to jump in and interrupt for a minute because I need to get back to, right. is, I, I still want to answer the question, is, is wokeism religion? A religion, as as you've posited, and because and, yes. and, I've read some of your book, it's a great book, yeah. and folks, you know, New Civil War, go get it. It's worth the read. Um, if I can understand it, so can you, <laughs> right? So, because I'm not the brightest guy in the room, but I want to, I want to come back to this question: so is woke is wokeism a religion? And I know you want to say, you know, let's first define religion, but but let's let's flip this a little bit. Yeah. Is wokeism a religion? Yes or no? So my answer is yes. Okay, well, to why? Go back to, the religion, to go back to the definition I was talking about, what does wokeism have that's unusual? Well, it's got its own view of sex, right? It's got its own view of morality. You mean morality, sex as gender or sex as in, sex, as, as sex in the... Sex as gender, right? It's, it's got its own view okay. of, of sex and gender and humanity and the appropriate relations between different people who might want to form a family. It's got its own view right. of morality, Right? It's got its own view of evil. They call it racism. Um, when, when, when the woke talk about systemic racism, they don't mean you don't like black people. What they mean is there's this pervasive sense that runs through all of society that is always there, even when you can't see it, that colors everything that you do. Well, Christians call that evil. Right? I mean, it's always there or sin. Mm. It's this pervasive sense that's always lurking in the background. It's got its own view of the end of times. You could talk about Armageddon. You could talk about, you know, you, you could talk about Ragnarok if you like uh, Norse mythology. <laughs> they talk about climate change, right? I mean, what is, yeah. what, what, what is um, you know, what is climate change? Well, it's not the earth is getting a little warmer. Right? That's the science of climate change. No, no, no. When the woke talk about climate change, they have this idea that we are living out of harmony with like nature. End times. It's like the book of Revelation. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, exactly that just hit times. me. Right. It's exactly end times. Right. We're living out of harmony with nature. And if we don't change and radically alter the way that we live, the earth, seas and skies will rise up to smite us down. OK, this is it. Right. You're out of harmony with nature. You need to repent or nature will smite you. That's an important <laughs> story. OK, uh, you, you look at it. I had an article I came out with um, last year where I talk about uh, gender identity. OK, what is gender identity? It's actually really interesting when you think about it. Suppose you have somebody who's born with genetics that say male. That would make them a guy. Excuse me. That would make them a guy. That would make the way physiology that says yeah. male, right. endocrinology, right? Your hormones say male, but you think you're a female. Okay. Well, according to the woke, that makes you a woman. Now, how do we get that to make sense? Well, you could say, well, the, what we have is here is a crazy man, but that's not what they say. I that might be what you believe. It might be what I believe. It's not what they believe. Because they belong to a different religion. So what do they? What do they believe? They, ah, they, is it, this is is this like a caterpillar shedding its skin or something? No, no, like no, you were no, born? No, 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 no. You know, I am. The other thing that you forgot or, is or the I caterpillar was, going into a, a butterfly. What I, I was know. originally a computer scientist. So let's think about what's going on in this brain that's a computer. Okay, I've got genetics and physiology and hormones that say male, but my brain correctly perceives that I'm a female. 
What's going on here? Well, there has to be some other signal going into the brain. How do you it's know it's the brain? How do you know? Are we measuring brain waves now? Well, wait, wait, wait. Well, because it's what you <laughs> it's what you say and what you express. All right. No. Well, I'm, we could, excuse me. Well, I, on, have, I have to interrupt you, Bruce. I, as I've told Erica, yeah. I I identify as a black lesbian who lives in San Francisco because oh, I want some yeah. of the reparations money. Right. And here's you the know, thing. I just, just had to put that out there. Wait, wait, wait. If they were talking We're about something observable and testable, we could actually what? discuss it and have a rational discussion. But no, they're can't. not. With okay. these people? Yeah. There's nothing. That, when, when, when somebody comes in who, for all intents and purposes, appears to be male, but declares themselves female, and the woke conclude this is truly a woman, there's nothing. there are no tests that you can run. To see, is this really a woman or is this a mistake? There's nothing you can observe. You can there always is... have them take off their clothes. No, not they... well, according no, 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 to no, their no. religion. No, this is this is religion. Okay. And oh. what's more, yeah. what's more, therapy won't yeah. help. Erica, you need to help me on this. I know. It's oh, it's so hard to therapy follow. Therapy won't them. help because it's not driven by your experiences. You're born with it, right? Yep. You're born with it. Okay. That's crazy. So what do I have? So I'm born with this internal innate something that's telling me who i am that is truer and more accurate than my body oh my god it's like the holy spirit almost it's the soul it's the soul Everything. and therefore it's a religion well oh, you can go down the line one thing after another they've got a concept of evil they've got a concept of the soul they've got a concept of the self they've got a concept of sex well, relations and even even Every there's time. even con, like a confessional, right? How do you show, how do you demonstrate that you're saved and you're part of the faith? Yeah. Well, you have a confessional. Oh, black lives matter. You got the black square. You got the rainbow in your profile. Yeah. And now, and now we have to police misinformation and disinformation. Why? Because people who Heretics. aren't really with it enough might hear something that would lead them down a the path of, improper behavior. Well, those are called anti-blasphemy laws. Okay. They've been around for a long time. That's why there are always blasphemy laws. People whose faith might be wavering or might not be that sharp might hear something that would convince them to give up the true religion for a false one. So, so it's like heresy. There's like yeah. heresy laws yeah. and rules. Oh my so, gosh. Well, well uh, I can tell you one thing that makes it a religion Yeah. to me beyond not all else but certainly one of the key things that makes it a religion is the level of intolerance to the non-believer yeah level of intolerance mm. to the non-believer and then you know as the years go by we keep getting more and more and more look at covid okay covid was the gift that keeps on giving for these people i mean first of all it was a not terribly scary respiratory ailment but every good faith needs an epic, a plague. And for the woke, COVID was a potential plague of biblical proportions that we were able to avoid only because the anointed expert class, their priests, came through and told us how to save ourselves. How did we save ourselves? Well, we wore masks, which are, of course, a religious garb. That's how you know who's faithful. Okay. We forced people to get vaccines because that's a rite of passage, uh, you know, maybe uh, <laughs> somewhere somewhere between baptism and circumcision. But but it's certainly a rite of passage. But even more <laughs> than that, 
even even more than that. Remember early on, we were supposed to wash our hands and time it by singing happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Anybody remember that? Yep. Okay. I've been trying well, to forget. Okay. How many faiths have a ritual at some point where you wash your hands while chanting something? Okay. Uh, early on, and I say this is someone who lived in New York City, you had to spray Lysol on your mail or your groceries before yeah, you Yeah, anything, cloth, paper bags. It was yeah, like well, your, all, your, all your groceries, everything. Right. So have you ever heard of a faith that believed that it's oh, important to keep your home pure and there are potential impurities out in the world? So before we bring something in to our home, we must run it through a purification ritual, such as sprinkling it with holy water. Now, of course, everybody says, Lysol isn't holy water, to which I say, no, of course not. Holy water is water with a couple of special spices and incenses mixed in. Lysol is water with chemicals. So it's a completely different thing. It's also trade. <laughs> All right. So, well, so hold that. Hold, hold, hold that thought. That's good. That's, I am like yeah. tripping out right now <laughs> you, listening um, to Bruce talk about this stuff because, you know, I've heard this concept of wokeism as a religion kind of for a while. And we have... You know, we've talked about it and I've heard people talk about it, but the but the but the way that you're talking about it, Bruce, is is hitting me in a way. I mean, it is literally like verbatim books of the Bible just repurposed. Retooled. I'll give you a really fun one that's really weird. Okay, when I read the Bible. The, 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 the toughest stuff for me to understand is some of the rules of purification, mm. like the detailed procedures that you have to go through if you think you might be a leper. Mm. Okay? It's, it's in the boring, it's in the most boring part of Leviticus. Right? And what are those rules? Well, if you see a potential symptom, you go to a priest who looks at it and runs a little, you know, runs a little test. And then quarantines you for a week and then runs another test. Oh my gosh. And if the first two tests are negative, then you're cleared to re-enter society. But if either one is positive, you have to go outside society where you're, you're, you're held off in total isolation until you start seeing an improvement, at which point you wait a fixed number of days before going back to the priest for another it's not, test. It sounds like COVID After to me. Which you, can, oh you, you, can, you can wave a couple of incantations and you're readmitted to society. Now, I happen to be reading that what you know early in the COVID pandemic and i'm looking at this going these are exactly the same procedures exactly the <laughs> same i mean down to the one week two week i mean it's you know and, and where you have to go and how often you have to test and how long you have to wait after the test i mean it's all there all right so hold, hold that thought because i i know it sounds like we could go on for a long time so let's let's stop at this point and right. let's say that um, wokeism is a religion. Mm. Just let's just, let's. It's a huge assumption, and I understand there's a legal uh, threshold that hasn't been been established. I understand that the state really can't even define a religion or the government. Um, I certainly understand the, con- the status of conscientious objector during the Vietnam War, which was sort of an expanded concept of separation of church and state. So, under the assumption that wokeism is a religion, because I agree, it has all the tenets of a religion. How do you fight back against that? Uh, How do we fight well, back? We actually have legal tools at our disposal, um, which, by the way, cut both ways. One of the reasons that I've been laying it out is that I, 
you need to lay the intellectual groundwork to make a case that when they start teaching this stuff, for example, in the public schools or, or imposing it in the workplace, that they are, in fact, establishing a religion. And, and, and I believe it. Say that argument. again. No, no. Say that again for right. me. Give me that so again. When, they, when you go into a public school right. and teach systemic racism right. or queer gender theory, okay, um, that is imposing a religion. Right? Now, well, wait a minute. Is it, okay. But they would argue that they're not, first of all, they don't want to be called a religion for all the right. obvious reasons. But they would certainly argue whether they're teaching, what is it, you know, queer gender theory or whatever that nonsense is that they're you know force feeding everyone that, that that is just an inclusive id it's an inclusive message to make everyone feel good or or feel um you know belonging well they're not i mean it, it, that by itself doesn't rise to that threshold though well it does and and that's a claim by the way okay there are two very important universal faiths christianity and islam and Christianity and Islam would say exactly the same things, right? Our message is for all of humanity, right? The, the message that we bring from God is telling people how to live aligned with God's will and in harmony with each other, right? That's exactly the same claim that both Christianity and Islam would make for everybody, including non-Christians and non-Muslims. That's what it means to be a universal faith. Mm. Um, and, 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 you know, there's no problem with teaching this stuff as long as you teach it as something that some people believe. Okay? Mm. I find it completely... That's objective. the intolerance. Everyone yeah, well, has to believe this or you're damned and you're going to hell. Yeah, and, 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 and that's the point. And, and one of the other things is that it's a matter of how you present it. If a Christian friend comes to me and says, as a matter of Christian faith, I believe that the wafer and wine of communion become the flesh and blood of Christ... I can accept that as a matter of their faith. If somebody came to me and said, look, man, it's simple biochemistry. Wafer, wine, communion equals flesh and blood. Then I'd say, great, let's go to a biochem lab and see if it works. Check it out. Okay. So, so, you know, the same statement, if you put it forward as, as an element of your faith, I think that's great and I think it's important and I think we should teach it. I think it's completely appropriate to teach that some people believe that race is the defining criterion of all of American history. Mm. I think it's horrible to teach that faith, that, that, that racism is the defining criterion of American history. Right? I mean, this is, this is the difference. Some people believe a man can declare himself to be a woman. Well, that's an accurate statement. He can. Well, it just doesn't mean well, that all so, of us so, have to go along with it and yeah. affirm it. And Absolutely. it's when you, it's when you try to force it on everyone from the top down and impose the belief system that it becomes the problem. Yeah, but wait, wait, wait a minute. We're, we, and I agree with you, Eric, hundred percent. This cancer, because that's what this is. This is this is a cancer is so deeply penetrated now into federal government, the, you know, teachers unions, the stuff we, we talk about and rail about. So I was going to say, Dr. Abramson, you said, call you Bruce, Bruce, how do we get it out? You know, I mean, your book, the new civil war, part of it is about the American restoration. Mm -hmm. So how do you restore America to let's call them those core values that we, that we certainly, you know, I would say, 
I would say preach here, but you know, no one likes to be preached to that we talk about on the show. How do you restore America in the face of this intolerant new religion that is being forced upon everybody? So that actually touches upon two other things, two related things that I've written about. One is, um, I believe that the reason that this stuff is so pervasive um, is that America is suffering from a deep spiritual crisis. Mm -hmm. And that comes from a misunderstanding of our own spiritual traditions. And we need to reconnect with them. We need to reinvigorate traditional faith in this country. We need to reinvigorate. But how? 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 I'm, I'm a nuts and bolts guy. Tell me the yeah. hill. You know, tell me the mission, tell me the hill, tell me the, you know, the uh, materials I have to take the hill. And then tactically, I'm going to go do that. Mm. How so do we do well, there, there are two things. First of all, the actual leadership has to come from within those faith traditions. And there mm. are people and there are denominations who've been thinking a lot about it. Um, but we also have to enable it. I mean, I, I think that we've done we, we've done a terrible disservice in drawing these lines between religions and ideologies and philosophies, uh, you, you know, between symbols of faith and quote unquote secular symbols. You mean when, separation of church and state has gone too far? Is that well, what you're saying? Yeah, I, well, I think that what we have is not a separation of church and state. I, I think we have a denigration of church. Mm. War on religion. Yeah, um, I, I, and I mean, I, I think that we need no to, argument here. I think that we need to reopen that. But there's also there's a broader problem that goes beyond that, and that is that contemporary society. I mean, life in the 21st century is very complicated, and we need a lot of advisors, and we need a lot of experts, and we need people to explain to us what's going on. We can't do all this stuff on our own. Uh, you know, you, you, you can't build your own cars and understand your own insurance policies and, and, you know, do any of these things. We need people to tell us what's happening. Yet none of our institutions are trustworthy. <laughs> there isn't a single major institution. Uh, by the way, every major institution has pockets of excellence and really good people on the inside. But the institutions themselves... I mean, you mean the leadership. So you're talking rank and file versus leadership. It's the same argument we make about teachers unions. The leaders of the, of the teachers are the issue. The teachers themselves generally try to do good work and try to be non-political. Most of them. Yeah. So I, well, I almost think the, it, it's backing up a little okay. bit. It's the, I'm just listening to Bruce talk about leadership, right? And I know in in my circles right now, we, there is a lot of conversation about what it means to be a lukewarm Christian, right? <laughs> These are the people who have had an emotional experience, maybe of the Father or uh, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus. But then once something bad happens, uh, they, you know, they're not grounded biblically. So something bad happens and now their faith is challenged because they have no theology and they have no real belief system to go along with, um, that feeling of, of, of love or that experience of unconditional love. And, um, and then you have faith leaders who are not even, you know, you, you claim to be a pastor of a church, but you aren't teaching biblical teachings. And so it's like there's a coming away and the leadership, the leadership is cowardice. And so they're not teaching theology to their, to their, to their flock, leaving them sort of open to the influence of these 
other things. You know what yeah. the common denominator is to me as I listen to Bruce, as I listen to you and you and I talking, you know, in the prior shows, this does come down to whether it's in, in the realm of academia, in politics, in business, it's a failure of leadership and we, and we're, and we've allowed it and we empower it. And, and that, that is actually the basic theme of the new civil war. I mean, the new civil war was a title that was chosen by my uh, by my publisher who thought that it would sell. I really wanted to focus on the book's primary theme, which is the corruption of our elite starting in academia. Yeah. So republish the book with a new name. I like that. The corruption of the elite it is. Yeah, we 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 have an elite class in this country to which I belong. And these are the people who are, um, you know, who have great credentials. I don't like to call them All educated. The letters behind their I don't names like to call them educated because and... they aren't, but they are credentialed. They're affluent. They're professional. They're urban. And they run all of the major institutions. And, and the entire class is corrupt. It's entirely self-serving. And it's completely detached from, uh, from society at large. Bruce, the, way, the, oh, the only way forward is to um, rebuild our institutions. And you're starting to see it. The, 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 the parent rights movement that is moving into school boards around the country is not going to work overnight, but that's how we retake and rebuild and restructure K-12 education. Mm. Uh, there's good work coming. Uh, Florida, I think, is probably the most advanced. There's important stuff happening in Texas. Where Also Oklahoma. We documented it in the opening segment. The right. superintendent of schools, Ryan Walters, is taking on the teachers union and calling them what they are, Marxist, and promoting charter schools and merit pay for better teachers. Right. I, I was I was about to go into higher ed. Right. Oh, okay. But higher ed. Uh, Governor DeSantis in Florida has done phenomenal work trying to retake and reorient um, the public the public universities and colleges in the state. I believe just good work going on in Texas. I think there are a couple of other states. North Carolina, I know, has had some good uh, has had some good things. But there is a movement to look, particularly at public education, and say, why are we doing this? Can mm-hmm. we do it better? Can we get back to the original mission? So, so we are starting to see some efforts to uh, to retake our institutions. Who knows? Maybe it's someday we can even clean up the FBI. <laughs> I, um, I think the deep. I, I think you'd have an easier time cleaning up academia, Bruce. I want to. I think thank you'd have you. an we, easier we, time cleaning up Skid Row. Let's be exactly, <laughs> it, um, well. Look, they can't even clean up San Francisco, right? I mean, they're, they're, yeah, they're not going to clean up. That that you know what? There's so much more, Bruce. We want to talk with you about. Um, this has been fascinating and thrilled for you to join us. We do have to go to break. I hope you'll come back and because Anytime. we didn't, we didn't even get to the other part of your book, which was the fall of the American Republic, uh, <laughs> after the 2020 election. And that will take up a whole nother segment. So hopefully you'll come back as a guest. Thank you for joining us. Erica, you and I have to go to station break to make some money. We'll be right back. generally irritable you hear robert and i talk about it a lot and you might ask yourself what's the difference well at generally irritable we're not just covering news and politics but we're talking about how news and politics intersects with culture we get to go to live events like the how many more rally at the austin capitol america fest hosted by turning point usa talk to and interview some of your favorite pundits, politicians, and podcasters to see what they think about where we are at 
in the American experiment today. Why do we do it? Because we believe that an engaged and informed electorate is the best way to save the American Republic. You'll even find cameos from our producer, uh, Lord Benjamin, AKA Lord Violence, AKA a darker perspective. That's where you can find him on Twitter. You can find me on all of the socials under Generally Irritable, literally all of them. Twitter, you're gonna find me as Erica Reddick, E-R-I-C-K-A-R-E-D-I-C. And most importantly, engage, because we need you to overcome the evil big tech overlords. You gotta share, you gotta comment, You got to like, you got to hit that rumble button. Hello, and welcome back to Of The People. I am Robert Chernin with our lovely co-host, Erica Reddick. Say hello again, Erica. Hello again, Erica. That was, I'm still blown away. That was a great segment with Dr. Abramson, or Bruce, as we're allowed to call him. Yes. I mean, and you know what, the thing that, it doesn't upset me, but I'm, I wanted so much to get to because the other concept in his book was that America still exists, but the Republic, the constitutional Republic of mm. America ceased to exist in March of 2020. So we need to have him back on. Mm. All right. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm for that. Yeah. I'm great. for having him back, man, Robert, that is, you know, uh, uh, that was one of the most fascinating fun conversations I've had in a long, long time. I can't wait to have Bruce back on to talk about any, any, literally anything else. Wait a minute. You don't have fun talking to me. I mean, I do. Should I feel, should I feel offended? You know how delicate my ego is. No, you should not feel offended (laughs) because you know, I love you differently, Robert. Okay. It's your irreverence. Okay. Fair enough. I feel, I feel assuaged. Thank you. Um, (laughs) So serious note, though, I want to talk about one aspect of what Bruce was talking about. So he talked about racism Mm. and it occurs to me that, you know, when I grew up, there was segregation, right? Blacks to the back Mm. of the bus, you know, all that stuff in the deep south. And, you know, you know, you know, blacks can't drink from this water fountain. You know, even the sports figures, whether it was Willie Mays or Hank Aaron, and I'm a baseball Mm. guy, right? You know, used to have to stay at different hotels, you know, so that was segregation, right? Yeah. And it occurs to me, I was reading about President Biden was at a Howard University. Ugh. And we're going into systemic racism, right? Ugh. Was at Howard University and said the greatest threat to America is not Islamic terrorism, is not you know, anything that you would think was the greatest threat. By the way, he didn't even say climate change, which surprised me. But the greatest threat to America, according to our president, my president, is white supremacy. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I want to add one other thing, and then I want your thoughts on this. There is also a play, I forget the name of it, it happened to be in London, that is a black production, black-only audience, and and it says whites are encouraged not to attend because we want black viewers only so that the people can immerse themselves in the experience and don't have to put up with, I think he called it the white gaze. (laughs) Right? So... Have we now gotten, you know, we've gone from, we've gone from segregation where, you know, where, where it was segregations against black, you know, black people. And now it's segregation against white people because white supremacists are the, 
greatest threat to this country. What do you think about that? I'm sorry. Does it actually? I can't even. Does it actually say white gays? Oh, yeah. Oh, my oh, God. Absolutely. So now so it replaced the male gaze is a problem for women. Now there's the white gaze. Uh, well, I, I have toxic masculinity anyway, so that's oh okay. Oh, my God. Oh, so, my God. You know, it is just so disgusting to me that anyone in leadership in America, especially a guy who literally gave the eulogy at a KKK Grand Masters rally can right. sit up at a black university and tell them that their thing that they need to fear the most is freaking white people. Right. Oh, well, my God. Well, remember, look, look, the thing that I object to in all of this is can we get away from race? Look, Ugh. I agree. We're all racist now, but it's like that article we talked about the other day where it says black man shoots white guy. I don't really give a damn about the color of his skin. No. I care about whether he's a jerk or not. I care about whether he's a crime or not. There are black people that are jerks, white people, brown people, red people. Pick a color. I don't really give a damn. Yeah. Can we get away from the prism of race? Because that's part of that wokeism is religion thing. Yeah. That's part of the proselytizing that they're shoving down our throats. By the way, so here's yeah. the here's the deal on, on this play. So it says white people told they are not welcome at the performance of a BLM-inspired play. It is a blackout performance called Tambo and Bones at the Theater Royal Stratford East. And they said, a blackout night is a purposeful creation of an environment in which an all-black identifying audience can experience and discuss an event in the performing arts, film, and cultural space, quote, free from the white gaze. Whites need not apply. Don't buy a ticket if you're, I mean, wokeism is religion. This is one aspect of it. Have we not now, um, are we not now in a, in a segregated era again, albeit a little different than it was in the 60s? I, you know, that's, I mean, that's the question, Robert. Um, and also, uh, what defines black? Who defines black? What does blackness mean? Well, wait a minute. I mean, I, I told Joe you, I, defi Biden I define said, myself as a black lesbian. I know. Well, and that's what even Joe so, Biden says. If if you can't, if you vote for Trump, then you ain't black. So who's the arbiter of what blackness even is nowadays? Right. And, if and the that, color of your skin right. um, isn't what identifies you as black, but now it's, oh, whether you know, your level of education, how you talk, what music you listen to i mean this is just a dis it, a, it, it is disgusting robert it is absolutely <laughs> a good now, word i mean uh, there look i'm not going to deny that there is a time and place for opportunities for groups of people to get together with each other to have some time, okay? We, I have advocated for women's only spaces. I think that there should be, you know, men's only clubs where- Oh no, we know, got we got rid of those. They're racist too. Men, uh, men cannot the, have a men only club. You know, I think that there is a place where some of those things make sense, okay? But when we start to then say, you're not welcome, 
you don't belong here. We need to evade the white gaze. Okay. Now we're going into demonization territory. I don't have a problem with guys wanting to have, you know, their man cave or their, or their bro, uh, place where they go hang out because men and women value different things. We want different things. Sometimes it is nice to just be around your girlfriends and say whatever you want to say and not worry about what the men folk think. You're, okay? you're right. I love being around my girlfriends, plural. Exactly. Wait a minute. Let me, let, <laughs> sorry, let, let, let me, let, let me interrupt and say a couple of things because, because you've covered a lot of points. Here. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So number one, as far as clubs are concerned, I think we, we've inverted it. So it, okay. it, this is for, for men or women as a gender to get together because they choose to is one thing, but to say that so-and-so is not allowed is, is another thing. It's a, it's a wholly different thing. I Correct. mean, I grew up in an era where, you know, there were certain golf courses that basically had signs that say, you know, no Jews allowed. Right. So, Correct. you know, I certainly, I certainly understand that, you know, that, that kind of a thing. The other thing, however, in all of this, right, is, is the exclusion of, of, let me go back. It's really about the whole concept of safe spaces is, is, is there are no safe spaces, right? You know, started on campus. Life is not a safe space. There is no safe space in life. And by the way, if you're living in any of the urban, you know, uh, centers or cities that are run by Democrats, it's really not a safe space these days. Thank, thank you, Mayor Adams. Of course, I'll go to the kiosk and, and apply for help. Um, social service, please. But the whole concept of a safe space, an exclusionary space where you can't say anything to me, you can't do anything to me. I need, I need my safe space. Um, you know, look, I, I'm respectful of veterans, you know, PTSD, people who need sort of, you know, um, what are they, not guide dogs, whatever they call them, um, support Service animals. Dogs. I, you know, I, yeah. I, I get that part of it. I mean, life is traumatic enough, but we're, we're again, it partakes of wokeism as a religion. Yeah. In terms of, you know, you know, white this, black that. I mean, it even to me, you know, this whole, they've now discovered that the Biden administration a year ago had a memo and a plan in place to, at the end of Title 42, which was that whole thing during the, the Trump right. year, uh, presidency, to let people now into the country once it expires. And again, so again, maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's racism again, right? Because who's coming into the country? Blacks, Hispanics, right? Everybody who's not white. So right now there's a there's a war on religion. Wokeism is really a new religion. And you know, I guess I guess you and I have white gays. And- uh, you, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, here's the deal. Unfortunately, we never get to have the conversations nope. about areas that actually need improvement where we can actually get together and fight against these divisive and gross ideologies together if people are insistent on continuing to use language and speak about each other as if we need to be segregated. We are Americans, we are on the same team. Uh, At least we're we're supposed to be. At least we're supposed to be. And so I just, you know, uh, enough is enough of this divisive uh, insistence on segregation. Well, 
Racism partakes of what I call the three Ds. Demagogue, demonize, and divide. Mm-hmm. I'm going to leave it at that because we're getting we're getting the high sign here from Lord Benjamin, our producer, who again has done a great job. Thank you, Ben Reddick. Thank you, Benjamin, for the great job that you do, folks. You've been listening to of the people. I am Robert Chernin, and I'm Erica Reddick. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.